Well, my day started like any other. I woke up, I got ready, and I walked to the temple. The only thing that was going to make this day different was that my name was drawn for the temple duties. Other than that, everything was going to be the same. When I got to the temple, I got ready. I went through the purification process and prepared myself to enter into the Holy of Holies. When I walked through the curtains, I immediately lit the incense, and as the aroma filled the space, everyone gathered to pray and worship God. Their prayers were filled with hope and expectation. Could this be the day that we finally hear from the Lord? See, it's been 500 years since our last visitation from an angel. And it's been 400 years since anyone had heard from God. It still leaves me in awe that people would come gather for that many years, hoping that this would be the day of breakthrough. As I entered, I had to fight my own unbelief, my own doubts. It had been silent so long. See, I've been married a really long time, and we have been wanting a child for a very long time. And in all the long times that we prayed and asked God to come in and bless us with a child, nothing has come of it yet. Yes, we have learned a lot, but our hearts have been hurting, and the expectancy we have been having turned from hopeful to a deafening silence. God, where are you? Where have you been? I know you haven't died, but why are you so quiet? Why have you been quiet for so long? That's how I entered that day. That's what I was reflecting on. And then I lit the incense, and the aroma filled the space. And my ordinary day turned extraordinary. See, I was praying all the usual prayers I needed to pray on behalf of God's people, and what then, all of a sudden, I was very much not alone in that room. A large angel was with me. He shared that our prayers had been answered and that we were going to have a baby. He said that we were going to have a son. And he said that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit and that he would bring such joy not only to us but to others as well. I was in shock, to say the least. I mean, yay, our prayers had been answered, but what? Today is the day you're going to speak? And today, that is where I want us to begin. If you've been to celebrate the last two weeks, our kids just helped us remember, but we have been in the series and season of Advent, and we have talked about faith with Andrew two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about hope with Judd, and today, we are going to look at joy. And I don't know about you, but the last few years have made me look at all of those words differently. My thoughts, my reflections about who God is have changed a little. Not bad, just different. Oftentimes, I can come into this season with so much excitement. I can't wait to give the gifts. I can't wait to play Santa. Shh, my kids still think. Okay, one of them does. Okay, I can't wait to play Santa. I can't wait to do all the things Christmas-related. I can't wait to gather with people. I can't wait to have people over. I can't wait to eat all the delicious meals. I can't wait to do all the things Christmas. But I began to realize the last few years that 
the things I'm sensing in myself and I'm seeing in those around me have changed a bit. We can't wait, but there's something else happening. And this year in particular for our church family, I was reflecting on that a lot. In the church calendar, the invitation for this week is usually that we would study Zechariah and Elizabeth. So that was the story I just told from Zechariah's perspective. What would it have felt like? See, I love that passage because finally God breaks through and he starts speaking and they had been waiting a really long time to hear anything. And I think some of us can relate to that. We have been praying the same prayers over and over and over again, and nothing has happened, or it's felt like nothing has happened. And then finally, an angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah, and Zechariah can't help but wonder, is this even real? It's been so long. But for the first time this year, I wanted to explore all the other feelings Because I think sometimes we enter into the Bible in the beautiful gift moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those moments where everything's wrapped up so pretty, and so we understand the perspective of the Bible from where we're reading it now. So in the now, we see that, oh my goodness, God broke in. John the Baptist is in Zachariah's wife's belly. He is going to proclaim the good news that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. So we come in at that moment. But how often do we think about all the moments leading up to that moment? The doubt, the confusion, the anger, the frustration. I mean, what were the people that were praying actually thinking? Were they just doing their duty? Or were they really expectant? Were they really hopeful that that was going to be the day? What would it have felt like to be Elizabeth? who was older in age and still hadn't had a child? What were all the murmurs about her? How was she taking those personally? And then how about Zechariah? He is actually one of the priests in priestly duty, and he can't have a child? What are people saying about that? So then that made me wonder about all the other people in the stories around Christmas. So Mary and Joseph. What about Mary? That was not intended to be the movie. Okay, anyways, there is a movie title that says, what about me? Okay, yeah, okay. Anyways, I realized that as I said that out loud, I was like, oh, that was strange. Okay. But what about Mary? Here you have a teen mom who's all of a sudden pregnant. What were people saying? What were people doing? How was she being shunned? And then you have Joseph, whose promised one is Mary, who isn't pregnant with his child. I mean, for honest, it sounds like Jerry Springer's show should happen in that day. And then you have the shepherds, and then you have the wise men, and the things keep going on and on. So I kept wondering, what are these people's backstories? What did this look like for them? I think this Christmas is different for me, and I look at the Christmas story differently. Because I'm beginning to realize and understand some things in me differently. See, at some point in my life, I actually began to believe that my life needed to look like that beautiful gift. That if anything was out of order, then there was probably something wrong with me or probably something wrong with my faith. 
So I worked really hard to keep it all together and all straight at all times. And this came out about a year ago when I decided to leave a job that I loved because I felt the Lord's invitation to do so. And Mike and I were sitting together, and I looked at him and I said, what am I doing? And he smiled, and I said, I'm afraid I'm going to become depressed if I don't do this job anymore. That's all I've known for so many years. And my therapist of a husband looked at me and said, you will. Now here's the deal. Of all the times to lie to someone, this would have been one of those times. So husbands take note. This would have been the time for him to look at me and say, no, honey, that's not going to happen to you. You're one of the most joyful people I know. You will never experience that. And I looked at him, dumbfounded that that was the thing he said to me. And what came out next was my true emotion. But what if I'm not okay with that? And Mike said to me, well, there's no bad emotions with God. He'll still be there, and maybe even more so this time. In that moment, I realized that I would rather act like I have it all together than to experience the fullness of God. I know we're talking about joy today, but can I ask us, how many of us really actually know what joy means? Or what it, we would use as our tool to count how much joy we have? How do we know that? What if joy actually fully equals Jesus, and the amount that we allow Jesus in actually means how joyful we're going to be? Will we receive the full? Are we content with the partial? See, I began to realize in my blurting of that phrase that I oftentimes can settle for the partial because the full feels too vulnerable for me. It feels like I'm going to expose too much. And as I reflected on the Christmas story, the only thing I could keep thinking of this year was this practice called lament. See, church family, about a month and a half ago, I was sitting over there praying because I knew I was going to be talking about joy. And here's the deal. I love talking about joy. We should have parties all the time at church. That would be the thing I want to do all the time here. And as I was praying, as we were worshiping together, I felt the Lord's whisper and say, this year I want to resuscitate joy. And I think it's because we've experienced some deep loss. So lament is a biblical practice and a tangible way for us to walk through grief on our own and together. Grief is a deep sorrow, you all probably know this, that we can't shake and it's something that can just come up at any time. It can be the death of a loved one. It can be cancer. It can be anything. It can also be something good. It could be your child going to college. It could be your best friend getting married. It could be a relocation because of a job change. It can be so many great things and so many sad things. But when we don't experience grief or don't allow ourselves to, there's some things that can happen. So let me give us a visual. Like I said, if it were me, and I could carry a backpack at all times, we would have parties all the time. We're actually about to have a party because my oldest just turned 11, and last week had influenza, so today's the day. So we would have all the things. We would have uh, glow sticks. We're not actually having these at our party, but we would have streamers. We would have candy. We would have all the fun things all the time. And this would be the backpack I would carry all the time with me, and I would love it. 
Because then any person I encountered, I could be like, oh, you're having a bad day? Well, let me help you. And then I would help them, and I would make them feel happy for a moment. And I would love that moment, because then they would feel happy. And then they would feel happy, and I would feel happy, and everyone would feel happy. Or I would think. But then I walk through life, and different things happen, right? For instance, a few years ago, I lost two friends that were close to me. And I didn't realize it, but it actually made me hurt for a really long time. In that exact same year, just about a month later, one of my best friends lost her son. She called me on the way to the hospital. I enter into the scene, and it was one of the most memorable moments I will ever have and sacred moments I ever experienced. But it was something I was carrying with me. Just a few months after that, one of my coworkers lost his son unexpectedly. He was fighting something that came on really fast, and I was carrying that. And then, a few years after that, a coworker and friend of mine got a diagnosis of cancer, and six months later died, and I was carrying that. So those were just some of the big things I was carrying in that season, not to mention the little things I was carrying in that season. For instance, COVID happened. Let's just be honest. Mike and I are just thankful the kids learned anything during that time. So COVID happened. I broke my finger this year. I know it's silly, but my wedding ring had to be cut off. I couldn't do things the same way. We moved. I loved that house. Man, I loved our neighbors. My kids left the only church they ever knew. See, eventually, I go around life hoping that I can make everyone happy. I go around life hoping that I'm just spreading joy. I feel like that's part of my anointing, but I forget that there's other things I've experienced in life that I carry with me. And so it's easy for me to be like, okay, I'll just stuff this around. No big deal. I'll put it in here. I'm going to cover it up. No one needs to know, right? I mean, let's be honest, this is not getting any lighter, but it's, I can still manage it. And so I walk around life with this bag full of stuff that I've never dealt with, and I keep trying to put more and more party things in because I ultimately want to be really joyful all the time. I mean, that's what the perfect gift would look like, right? My salvation should bring me joy all the time. But when I don't deal with the things in my bag, they begin to pop up in weird ways. David in the book of Psalms, is great at lament. David comes to Jesus, comes to the Lord, and says, my friend's child should not have died. Why? Why did my coworker die of cancer? She is a mom and has three kids. Why did my coworker's son die so unexpectedly? He's a great man and does great things for you. 
But then David looks at the Lord and says, but I trust you. And you rescue me. And I believe that. See, lament is this beautiful practice that allows us to interact in the joys and the sorrows of life. In the deep grief of life. In the deep pains of life. See, I would actually say our capacity to experience joy is based on our capacity to experience grief. Because our capacity to experience grief is our allowance to allow Jesus to come in and interact with that. And if joy equals Jesus, then if we're not allowing Jesus in to experience with us in our grief, then how are we allowing him in our joy? There's this passage in the book of Matthew from Matthew 11, and it says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give to you is light. So often when I've thought of this passage, or this passage has been used as a prayer time for me, I've always thought of being like, okay, Jesus, here's everything. But this time when I was studying it, one of the things that stood out to me was that when Jesus is saying he's going to yoke to us, there are times that he fully takes on all of it. But there's other times what he's meaning specifically in this passage is that together we're going to walk through this. He's not going to leave. So together, he's going to help me process the different things. Together, we're going to stay linked if I let that happen. Together, I'm going to cling to him, and he's going to cling to me, and he's not going to let me go. The other thing I found really interesting studying it this time was that oftentimes in the Gospels, we'll hear Jesus say, come follow me. But there's only a few times that Jesus says, come to me. So there is an actual physical piece to us grieving where Jesus says, actually come to me. Come to me. Yoke yourself to me. In togetherness, in union, let's do this together. I'm not leaving you. The world has told you that I caused all of these things. And I didn't. Together. We will walk through this. See, the thing I love about Jesus is he actually knows deep grief. He knows it. He understands it at a level that we understand it, and possibly even more so. So this Advent season, as we enter into lament together today. I want to invite us to consider some things. Because I wonder if I'm not the only one carrying a backpack full of weights, trying to stuff all the beautiful Christmas gifts we have wrapped, or if you're like me, have to wrap, have to wrap around it. Because I truly believe the Lord wants to resuscitate joy today. 
But the only way he can resuscitate joy is if we say, come resuscitate me. And then point out the specific places. So there's this passage in Isaiah 35 where it says, those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter into Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. In the book of Psalms, there's this passage that says, the tears you have sowed will reap joy. The Lord's intention is for us to experience the fullness of him and the fullness of his joy, and specifically this season. So friends, in a few minutes, we are going to enter into a prayer time. And in that prayer time, I'll lead us through a guided prayer practice. But at the end of it, I want to invite you to come forward. You probably are like, what are all these little bottles doing up here? What is she about to do? Don't worry, I'm not a chemist. I'm not doing anything. But there are little pages, pieces of paper up here with a bottle with an anointing oil of joy. And sometimes we use them in prayer ministry. You'll see the prayer ministers around, and they'll anoint people with joy at different times. But there's a specific reason for anointing. See, anointing actually allows us to say, I am being covered. Things are changing. So when we anoint our heads, we're saying, Lord, you cover me, and I trust this. And this is the oil of joy. So after we do our prayer time, then worship will start. And I want to invite you, if the Lord leads anything on or leads anything in you or puts anything on your heart, that maybe this is the year that some of that bag gets unpacked. Maybe it's a little thing. Maybe it's a big thing. The only thing I would say is, let it be the God thing. Because sometimes we can be like, oh, I know that big thing's in there. And we start digging through the bag. But the Lord's like, oh, no, 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 no. I actually just wanted to do this little thing today. Because I want you to know how gentle I am. I also know that sometimes when we're grieving, we don't want the Lord to encounter it. Because there are pieces we've loved so much that our fear is if we let go of it, we're going to forget or there's been something that has been happening in our grief that we're like, God, but I don't want to lose the memory of this person. That's not the Lord's intention. In the bringing of joy, his intention is to say, oh no, let's rejoice in all the great things that have happened. Let's remember those great things. Let me, though, anoint you and tell you I'm with you. So that's what this is. So this is what it would say. You would, this is what would happen. If you want to, I'm not forcing people, don't worry. I'll just look you in the eye. No, I'm just joking. I won't do that. Um, okay, so if during the worship time you feel like the Lord's put something on your heart specifically, I would invite you to come forward, and this is what it would say. Jesus, I give you this fill in the blank that I have been holding on to. I trust you with it. Come resuscitate the joy of my salvation in my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. And then you would anoint yourself with oil. So friends, would you... Take a moment and breathe a couple breaths. Make yourself comfortable and then close your eyes. (laughs) 
would you reflect within yourself, how am I doing this Christmas season? In Psalm 139, it says, Search me and know me, and know all my thoughts. Will you invite the Lord to search you and know you today? And then will you ask God to show you any place where grief has taken up residence? If the Lord has given you something, would you share with him the sadness you feel because of that event or those events? your own words. Sometimes these are the hardest words. Can you tell him that you still trust him? But today you need him to meet you right there. then will you take a moment and think about what attribute of God can you declare about who he is in the midst of that grief? Maybe he's faithful, a rescuer, a healer, a savior, king. Father, thank you that you are always wanting to be with us. You are always wanting to fill us. Father, thank you that your heart is kind and your intentions are good. 
We want to flow, move, love, and feel secure in your presence. You have us, Lord, and we trust you. You have us, Lord, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.